Good morning, everyone. This is Jeff from the CyberPro Podcast. It is Wednesday, a beautiful Wednesday. I think today's Wednesday. And today my name, my guest's name is Jeremy, and he's going to talk a little bit about how SMBs might be able to better protect themselves and mitigate the risks that come from the bad actors in the cyber world. So with that, let's jump in. Jeremy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do? Absolutely. And thanks so much for having me, Jeff. So my name is Jeremy Swenson, and I am a tech risk consultant. And uh, I have both an MBA and a master's of science and security technologies. I'm a frequent writer and um, threat researcher. I have a lot of articles, blog posts, and um, published content out there on, on these uh, items. Uh, I've got about 20 years in technology, made my first website in the year 2000 when MP3s were big and I was really into music. And uh, I think a big part of innovation in tech comes out of those who have musical minds. And uh, I also run a consultancy where I focus on small and medium-sized business, tech risk advisement and digital strategy, a consultancy called Abstract Forward Consulting. Frequent speaker at conferences on tech risk, digital strategy and related co concepts. Well, let's talk about that. You advise other companies about the cyber risks that are out there. You yourself are an entrepreneur. So from that shared perspective, share with us or tell us a little bit more about what you find to be the most interesting aspect about being a cyber professional. Yeah, I would say one of the most interesting aspects of being a cyber professional um, serving SMBs is kind of balancing the need to grow the business and um, using minimal tech and vendor resources to manage the risk. Um, SMBs just don't have huge budgets, one, they don't have a lot of employees. And one thing is you may have somebody who's you know, your CIO or your CTO, but he's also probably a CFO, might even be the COO. So he's wearing a lot of hats. Uh, or she's wearing a lot of hats and any people reporting to them probably going to be a pretty small team and much of the tech is outsourced um, so for example they may have outsourced um, it service management to a big firm that handles that and these um, it service management vendors uh, they have agreements that they sign with smbs and those agreements one of the caveats of tech risk for SMBs is the um, the, the, the service providers, uh, they make the customers waive cyber risk liability. So what that means is, you know, you're paying them to manage IT service desk, et cetera, but you're responsible for a bad event if it happens, not them. And they disclose that legally and make you sign that legally. And it's an interesting caveat. So it means that, you do have some due diligence to do on your end to make sure that you are adhering to say, you know, the, the cybersecurity um, standards for your industry. Maybe it's COBIT or whatever it might be, but you need to make sure that you're adhering to those standards. Yeah. MSSPs are a podcast all of themselves and the, the way they go about business is very interesting. But I wanted to circle back to something that we started before we started recording, which was that you had uh, let me know that you had recently written an article 
16 points about what these SMBs can do to mitigate, to mitigate the most common cyber risks and threats that are out there. So on that, what additional insights or advice would you like to share with those of our viewers who are entrepreneurs like yourself, are business owners, and don't have the dedicated folks to keep an eye out on all the things they should? I think the biggest thing is that the Department of Homeland Security, CISA, has a lot of resources out there. Um, and you can sign up at their website and get alerts, for example. Alerts is one really good example. Um, you can sign up for alerts that are industry specific. There's all kinds of different sub-selectors on the alerts. You can get alerts specific to say community banking. You can get alerts specific to retail. You can get alerts specific to manufacturing. Uh, they put a lot of work in putting these alerts out there. So they're gonna tell you um, if your industry has uh, a piece of the technology that's common in it that has um, a recent CVE that needs to be patched or needs to be removed. And I know a lot of SMBs don't even know about this and it's there for you, you pay your tax dollars. So one, sign up for the alerts, do read the alerts and then act upon the alerts when you validated that alert falls into uh, your category. Uh, one other thing that CISA has for, for SMBs is the uh, CSET tool. So this is, a free cybersecurity evaluation stepper type um, tool. And it's basically gonna ask you a series of questions. Uh, it's gonna ask you your industry, the size of your company, and you answer these questions uh, and it's going to give you a report and it's gonna grade you. And when you get this report, um, you can have actionable insight from this part. Certainly not a be all and end all. It's a start is what it is. And it's free. And if you were to go to a consulting company to you know, get you know, alerts that are specific to you and your industry and to get uh, a cyber assessment, you would probably have to pay for it. So these two things alone, um, I think can, can really be a good start for SMBs. Yeah, you said something really interesting about the assessment itself, and that is a good place to start. And so one of the ways that you know SMBs could potentially take that, and I want to get your opinion on it, is once you have that assessment in your hand and you know where those gaps are, you know, you can go to a consultant or a vendor who is in your industry who can help you fill those gaps already based upon that assessment that you have in hand. And that gives them a one leg up to drill down on that assessment and say, hey, now that we've identified X, we should probably also look at Y and Z beneath it and make sure that we have those filled as well. Is that something you do or would you recommend something along those lines? Um, yeah, I can certainly do that. And, and I do that very well. One of the outcomes of that type of assessment will be you'll probably reevaluate which vendors you're using. Small businesses and medium-sized businesses use vendors for certain things. Um, maybe you're a retail small business, right? Maybe you're a coffee shop, okay? Um, you have an MSP that's handling certain of your IT obligations, probably most of your IT obligations, right? And then there's PCI, the PCI vendor who's handling your payment card processing, et cetera. So you may find out that you need to change a vendor because maybe this PCI vendor, uh, according to the assessment output, uh, is leaving some vulnerabilities there. 
uh, or maybe this MSP is not doing as much as they could do. So it's going to help you have a better assessment of are your vendors the best vendors to work with? Could you get a vendor that could you know do a better job managing these risks? And another thing for for SMBs is the insurance considerations. And this is I wrote a separate article on this, but this is a this is a complex um, issue. So SMBs uh, need to understand that general business liability insurance is not cyber insurance. Mm-hmm. They also need to understand that if they're going to expect to have data breach in cyber coverage um, and have that coverage be enforced by a carrier, they need to meet the, you know, the compliance standards and IT security for, for their industry. And they need to be able to show evidence uh, of that. And, and that, that goes to their vendors too. So they need to work with vendors that are SOC 2 certified and they just need to make sure that they can have evidence to show that they're meeting the bare bones of compliance and risk management practices for, for their industry. Otherwise, any sort of claims for any cyber coverage that they may have is likely going to be denied. And, and the reason they're going to deny it is because they haven't shown to meet the standards necessary. Yeah, that's a fascinating sub sub conversation about what those insurance companies cover and what they don't cover because every year we get new exceptions as to what they won't cover and that's those uh liabilities that they will no longer cover seems to get thicker and thicker every year on that if any of our viewers want to learn a little bit more about you specifically jeremy or what you do at your consultancy what's generally the best way to get hold of you you know, I, I really uh, encourage people to connect with me on LinkedIn. I have a pretty good um, network there, pretty good following there. And then just go to abstractforward.com and take a look at some of my articles, take a look at some of my um, diagrams and white papers that are there for you for free uh, to help you um, think better on how you might manage risk and how you might mitigate um, some of these um, gaps in your organization. Yeah, you said it best before we started. There's not enough sharing going on. So thank you for the resources that you provide. Uh, Final question, a fun one. You know, a lot of us have been in technology for quite a while. We've seen all the things that have come and go. We we all started with the equivalent to an abacus. Share with us a piece of retro technology that when you think about it, still kind of makes you smile. Yeah, you know, I really liked uh, the first MP3s out there. When, when MP3s came about, when Napster came about, um, sh- the sharing of this music was so amazing. I was a huge music fan. And so if I could get my hands on this new music soon, you know, I was always waiting for an artist to release, you know, the remix or the live track. And I was collecting uh, rare music. And rare music was hard to find. Before MP3s, you know, you had to go to the CD store or the record store and you had to track it down. And, and in Europe, there was different releases than in the United States. So when Napster came about or when MP3s came about, um, it was really uh, insp- inspiring for me to hear all this music. Mm, makes me think you were sort of responsible for Napster. Wasn't responsible for Napster, but definitely was uh, very supportive of um the ability to share music and create innovation and actually Smashing Pumpkins, I'm a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan. They released, uh, they were one of the first bands to release for free um, a double CD um, via MP3 early in the MP3 era. And um, just when I got that first double CD album for free from them, 
it was just amazing. But there was lots of other artists who were supportive of MP3. Obviously, Metallica, you know, they litigated in the early years of the MP3 era. But now everything is digital streaming and the quality is higher. The early MP3s, the quality wasn't that high. I mean, it was decent, but now the audio quality and the media quality of streaming media is way better than it was around the 2000 era. And it's faster. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, hey, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. This has been fascinating. So for those of our viewers who don't know, we post two to three episodes every week here on the Cyber Pro Podcast. We wish you well, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for listening to the Cyber Pro Podcast today. Please like and subscribe.